the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. It's seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on a Friday, a free-for-all Friday that's not really free for all, or really maybe anyone except for me, uh, because we are heavily guested today, <laughs> and I like the guest list that I'll tell you about here as uh, we, we begin on this 30th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Coming up on the program in about, we'll call it 40 minutes, uh, yeah, 40 minutes-ish, we're going to talk with another Senate candidate. We've been working our way through the uh, Senate candidates. And uh, today it'll be time for Mark Pukita. Mark Pukita, a name you probably don't know a ton about. He is not one of the big prominent names. He doesn't have a Hollywood-style name like J.D. Vance. Of course, we had a movie made of his uh, biography. Josh Mandel is a previously elected official. You know, Mike Gibbons is another one who doesn't have a big, big name, but he's a big, big name in business. A tremendous self, uh, self, uh, success story, self-made man success story. Uh, you know, and some others. We talked to Bernie Marindo. We talked to Jane Timken. Anyway, Mark Pukita. You might not know much about him, but that's why we're bringing him on today. Strong conservative voice. I can tell you that. I heard him speak at an event, uh, uh about a month ago, eh, maybe a month and a half ago now in Chesterland. And, uh, it was a great, great, uh, speech. He really has, uh, some strong viewpoints. So we'll hear it. Mark Pukita at 948. Then at 1010, Christina Hagen. We bumped Christina Hagen for her weekly commentary from 1035 to 1010 because at 1035, we get to talk with the future governor of the state of California. How about that? I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but Larry Elder has surged into the catbird seat, if you will, among those challenging Gavin Newsom in California's gubernatorial recall election. Of all of those who are filed to run or filed or that are in this campaign or are actually declared candidates that are going to be in this election, Larry Elder is leading by quite a lot. That doesn't mean he's going to beat Gavin Newsom. This is just being measured against the other members or the other uh, candidates who want to be governor. 
including uh, Bruce Jenner, uh, who says, call me Caitlin. Uh, and I'm doing my best there, but I'm he's Bruce Jenner, and uh, he's going to remain Bruce Jenner. Call him Caitlin if you want. But anyway, uh, Larry Elder has surged, and so we're going to talk to uh, Larry coming up at 1035 this morning, which is uh, going to be a lot of fun. So Mark Paquita, Christina Hagen, and Larry Elder today, and then, of course, you. Before, between, and after those interviews, pick your spots. Hit them where they ain't, as we Willie Keeler once said about baseball. Hit them where they ain't. 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers will bring you here to the program live. And we will get to the morning news after we start, as always, with our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand. If you're wearing a hat, take it off. Put your hand over your heart. If you have a flag nearby, please face it and join us as we pay tribute to our great country. Leftists, take your knee and spit if you must, because we, we know what you're all about. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so we are full on now uh, with the new mask mandates being issued by governors and issued by local, really every level of government, between federal, state, you know, county and municipalities, virtually every level of government now is free to issue uh, new mask mandates because of the spread of the quote-unquote Delta variant. Uh, the worst of these has been Nancy Pelosi. The Speaker of the House of Representatives has decided this is her house, not the people's house, that it is her house. And she will have you arrested, whether you're a staffer, an elected official, or a visitor to the House of Representatives, to the Capitol building, or to any of the offices on the House side. If you are there without a mask, she will have you arrested. Not warned, not offered a mask by security, not um, you know chided, not threatened, arrested, threatened with jail and or fines. And yesterday, House GOP members responded. Dozens of GOP members left their office, crossed the Capitol over to the Senate side, marched right onto the Senate floor to protest this ridiculous new mask mandate uh, issued by Nancy Pelosi. Reports estimated between 40 and 50 of the Republicans took part in the demonstration, including House Freedom Caucus Chair Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, Byron Donalds, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ship Roy, Louie Gohmert, Ronnie Jackson, Madison Cawthorn, Warren Davidson of Ohio. Capital attending physician Dr. Brian Monahan announced late Tuesday that masks were once again going to be required in the House chamber, committee rooms, and office buildings. Uh, this coming down after CDC, of course, recommended indoor mask mandates, regardless of vaccination status in most areas of the country. Uh, Republicans said this is not going to happen on their watch, and it's certainly not going to happen in the people's house. At least in the Senate, said Barry Loudermilk from Georgia, they're recognizing individual responsibility, following science, and not just using this as a political tool. So what are we doing? We're following the science. We're following the science or following Pelosi's political moves. It's Pelosi's political moves over on the House side. Lawmakers were further enraged yesterday 
After another uh, protest participant, Representative Kat Kamek tweeted out a bulletin for police stating that visitors and house staff members who declined to wear masks or leave the premises were uh, would be subject to arrest. U.S. Capitol Police responded to the backlash by tweeting a statement saying there is no reason it should ever come to someone being arrested. Yet that was the order given by Nancy Pelosi. And it's why um, people like uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn on the Senate side had this to say. Back at it again. Whatever it takes to put you in lockdown is what they're going to do. Now, we hear that Speaker Pelosi is going to have people arrested if they do not wear a mask. I don't know about you. I've not heard one valid reason that a person who has been vaccinated should be forced to wear a mask. Now, I respect that viewpoint of Marsha Blackburn, especially speaking out against the ridiculous arrest threat. But I don't know why she stops with, I don't can't think of a one valid reason why somebody who is vaccinated would wear a mask. I would stand by what has also been scientifically proven, and that is the fact that unvaccinated people have no reason to be compelled or forced to wear a mask either, because the masks don't stop COVID. They never have. They say so right on the box, particularly of those quote-unquote surgical masks, that they do not stop the spread of COVID. And the way people wear them, particularly, and if they're wearing cloth masks, that's okay, too. They do nothing except provide the government with another method of control over the people, forcing them them to do what they're told. The um, Senate Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy ripped into Nancy Pelosi for this, uh, for this threat, this um, arrest threat, uh, calling her a hypocrite after she called him a moron, by the way for resisting the new mask mandate. McCarthy said Pelosi's new mandate with uh, $500 fines and potential for arrest was not based on science and that she broke her own rules at least twice on Wednesday. Quote, twice today, I saw the speaker in a crowded room without a mask less than 24 hours after imposing her own mask mandate. Pelosi's mandate is not backed by local D.C. masking orders or matched by the Senate across the Capitol, as we've been pointing out, but it is uh, an order on her side, even though she herself doesn't follow it. By the way, Jerry Nadler was also spotted in numerous places on the House side without a mask, not one threat of fine or arrest for Jerry Nadler. McCarthy said, what frustrates Americans the most is the hypocrisy. It's kind of like telling an American you can't go get your hair cut, but then you get caught on camera because you do it, which is a great, great point. Nancy Pelosi has never been one to follow her own self, or not self-imposed, but imposed upon others rules. She has never been one. And this, of course, uh, comes after Pelosi told reporters that McCarthy is such a moron for arguing that the mask rule is unscientific. There is, and I have studied this, and I have researched this, and I have talked to countless number of other people smarter than I who have researched this, who have pointed out very clearly and directly, there is zero science, not a little bit, zero science that says masks stop COVID, period, point blank, that's it. Zero science. The only science that they can possibly say that does show it is when they strap 
and virtually glue the masks to the faces of dummies in laboratories and then uh, try to expose particles to it. As if, In other words, when I say glued, I mean like every single part of the mask is sealed to the face of the dummy and cannot come off, which of course is how zero people in real life wear masks. So there is no science whatsoever to suggest that this works, and yet they are ready to reintroduce, they're not ready, they're doing it, reintroducing the mask mandates, because it's going to be the precursor to lockdown mandates. Lockdown, pre-COVID 2.0, or uh, uh, um, uh, pre-vaccine COVID 2.0. They're going to have people back to shelter in place, Uh, non-essential workers stay home only essential workers can go to their jobs we're going to shut down churches again all of the assemblies and gatherings are going to be limited to 10 people or less etc 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 ted cruz senator ted cruz took to the floor of the senate also to respond to what nancy pelosi did by ordering the men and women of Congress, as well as visitors to the House side of the Congress, to be put in jail if they don't wear a mask. Listen to Senator Cruz. Mr. President, in 1887, Lord Acton wrote a series of letters to Bishop Creighton. Letters that would echo down across the centuries. Lord Acton wrote, I cannot accept your canon that we are to judge Pope and King unlike other men, with a favorable presumption that they did no wrong. If there is any presumption, it is the other way, against holders of power, increasing as the power increases. Historic responsibility has to make up for the want of legal responsibility. Power tends to corrupt. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost exclusively bad men, even where they exercise influence and not authority. Still more, when you super add the tendency or the certainty of corruption by authority. Mr. President, those words were true in 1887. And they're true today. If you want to understand how power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, look no further than the other chamber in the United States Capitol. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is drunk on power. The orders that Speaker Pelosi is issuing are abusive, and unprecedented. Speaker Pelosi has decreed to members of the House of Representatives elected by the people that if you dare walk onto the floor of the House of Representatives without a mask, I, Speaker Pelosi, shall fine you. Who the hell is she to be fining members of the House? But you know what? She's not done with that. She's not done with disrespecting our Constitution, disrespecting our democratic system that elects leaders. She goes further to the good men and women who work here in the United States Capitol. We are surrounded by men and women who have chosen to come and work for the public good. And here's what Speaker Pelosi has decreed. If you dare 
walk in the hallway without a mask, I, Speaker Pelosi, will arrest you. I will put you in jail. I will fine you. That is an absolute and complete abuse of power. She has no authority to disrespect the men and women who work here to threaten you with physical harm, to threaten you with imprisonment. And why does she do so? She does so for one reason, political theater. And I would suggest to you that if the men and women of Congress and the staffers and visitors of Congress cannot find freedom there, then we will not have freedom anywhere. If they can do this to Congress, what will they do to individual citizens of this once and hopefully to be again great country? I'll be right back. Okay, it's 926. Thanks for joining us at AM 1420, The Answer. I want to continue to spotlight some of the uh, the truth that I hope is inspiring to you. I really do. I hope it inspires you to push back and fight back, because I'm just going to be 100% honest with you. Until there is a massive movement of American citizens flat out practicing uh, peaceful resistance to this, and, and that is exactly what it is. It's got to be peaceful, but it has to be full, it has to be complete, and it has to be a massive number of us um, resisting this. They are going to continue to take another step, another step, another step, another step toward full-on control of your lives, personal, personal lives, personal freedom gone, big government telling you how to live, what's right for you. What's right for you, what's right for the environment, what's right for this, what's right for that. Dictating to you everything. And I'm telling you, there needs to be a massive, massive movement of peaceful resistance to this. We need to flat out uh, ignore the mandates. If they try to put a mask mandate in in our workplaces, if they try to put a mask mandate on our kids at our schools, if they try to put a vaccine mandate in place, uh, at whatever your your uh, place of employment is, we need to flat out ignore. There, there, is, there comes a time when everybody in massive numbers needs to just say, not us. We're not going to allow this to happen to us. We're not going to follow your pseudoscience. We're not going to follow your political uh, um, agenda masked as science. And we're not going to allow it to happen. It's time for us to push back and resist, but in massive numbers. Perhaps this will inspire you. The U.S. Postal Workers Union. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the post office all the time. But the Postal Workers Union, with nearly 217,000 members, have issued a statement in response to Joe Biden's plans to issue a vaccine mandate for all federal workers, of which the postal workers uh, are a part. 217,000 federal workers announced together in a letter to, uh, or in a statement should, should be released to the, to the press. While the APW, that's their union, the American Postal Workers Union, leadership continues to encourage postal workers to voluntarily get vaccinated, it is not the role of the federal government to mandate vaccinations for the employees represent. 
The APW opposes the mandating of COVID-19 vaccinations in relation to postal workers. They are stepping up as a body, 217,000 strong, and saying, we're not doing this. This follows the International Association of Firefighters. Spokesperson Tim Byrne told Politico, quote, we are not doing any mandates. We're not advocating any mandates for vaccination. Now, this is, again, the Federal Firefighters Union. So there are massive numbers of people that can go out and be heard, not individually. Well, I want you to be heard individually. That's why I'm sitting here doing what I can. I do have a microphone and a transmitter, so it helps me. But speak out individually. But it's going to take um, the unification of people, you know, in, in certain affinity groups. Doesn't have to be a union. It doesn't have to be a union. If it is a union, great. If it isn't, just massive numbers of people in the same industry, in the same business, in the same field. Maybe it's not even in the same business, but they're uh, individual entrepreneurs who band together, restaurant owners, store owners, shop owners, churches, band together and say, as a body or as one unified uh, you know, part of this community, we are not going to mandate masks. We're not going to shut down. We're not going to limit uh, uh, participation. We're not going to limit the number of people who can come. We're not going to uh, give in to mandatory mask mandates or passports. If we do this in large numbers, we can be effective. But it is time, seriously, for that peaceful resistance. It's time to say no. We have had enough. We've got more for you coming up right after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. Please be aware, you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Did you not get the CDC's memo? I don't see you guys complying. <laughs> and I say that jokingly, but I, I, I think that that may be a sign of potentially seeking to do more things into the future. And I think it's very important that we say unequivocally no to lockdowns, no to school closures, no to restrictions, and no mandates. Floridians are free to choose, and all Americans should be free to choose how they govern their affairs, how they take care of themselves and our families, and they should not be consigned to live, regardless of which state in the Union, consigned to live in a Faucian dystopia in which we're governed by the whims of bureaucratic authorities who care little for our freedom, little for our aspirations, and little for our happiness. No more. We can't let it happen going forward. That's uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in a speech he made yesterday to the ALEC. That's the American Legislative Exchange Council. And the key words there that you heard, and again, I play these to inspire you to know that we are not alone as we push back. And as we, you know, they've got people cowering in fear for their jobs. They do. And they have parents cowering in fear for what's going to happen to their children as they're forced into school behind these masks of shame. Uh, suffocating behind, you know, these, these cloths, um, you know, restricting their breathing. Uh, 
restricting their ability to take in clean oxygen and exhale poisonous CO2, instead blowing it right back into the mask and then sucking it right back in again. All of these things, kids, social development is being delayed. I mean, it's parents and, and employees and workers are legitimately terrified of what the government is doing to them. And the worst part it is is this part about it is this isn't the end game. This is just a step toward social control. And the key words for Ron, Ron DeSantis there were no to lockdowns, no to school closures, no to restrictions. And that would mean breathing restrictions. And no mandates. Americans must be free to choose how they govern their affairs, not consigned to live in a Faustian dystopia. Or Faustian, I think is what he actually said, which is fantastic, uh, playing off of uh, Faust. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in, in the dystopia speaks for itself. All right, let's see what you have to say. 216-901-0945, We'll go to uh, Chuck in North Ridgeville. Hey, Chuck, you're on the air. Go ahead. Morning, Bob. How you doing today? Good, good morning. Sounds like you're on fire. Anyway, uh, these mandates, and you need to really press this point, they're all designed for one thing, to legitimize and normalize mail-in voting because it works so well. That is part of this game, yes. That is part of this that game. That is the game. Well, that no, there's, the there's a, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than just rigging elections, which they did, of course, in November of 2020. But you're, you're not wrong about it, Chuck. It's certainly a big part of it. But it's larger than just elections. There is a, there is a, a massive agenda here, and that is to get people to start accepting the fact that the government will tell you what is right for you and what is not. Getting the people under their control begins with their health. You know what? We don't want you to die. We care about you. We love you, and this is the way. And we don't want your neighbors to die, and you should care about them too. So in order to do this, uh, here's what has to be done. When they get people starting starting to believe that the government has their best interest in mind and the government can substitute their judgment for the people's individual judgment for them, then they can talk them into anything. And yes, once they convince people that we're scared to death and we have to continue to be scared into the midterms next November, yes, they will try to once again weaponize the virus or pandemic or the health emergency, weaponize it into, uh, you know, uh, bringing back the same t- sort of uh, 2020 voting, uh, you know, loose voting rules that they put in place. But once they assembly line winning election. Mm-hmm. They can do all those things you're talking about. That is why it is fundamental. The pivot point or the apex of the pyramid is cheating for winning elections. Then the world is opened up to them to do all the things you talked about. But they have to win and continue to win elections. Well, you're right. They do. And here's the thing that I would say to kind of, you know, ease our, our, or at least delay our fears temporarily, is again, even though the Texas state legislature, the Democrats fled so that they didn't have to vote into, uh, into effect the legislation that would uh, strengthen voter integrity laws in Texas. There have been about a dozen states so far that have passed new laws to make sure that mail-in elections without signature verifications, ballot harvesting, unattended drop boxes, and all of the things that were used to steal the election in 20, uh, 2020, that those things can't be done again, even if a governor says, this is what we have to do. These legislatures, in at least a dozen states so far, are fixing that problem. So I, I would hope that, you know, this is this is now about to be August of 2021. 
if this is still flying around by August of 2022, just a couple of months out from the midterm elections, and the they try to pull this nonsense again about universal mail-in balloting, at least those states, and many of them are the ones, the most crucial battleground states that cost uh, President Trump as they stole this thing from him, uh, at least in those states, these new laws that are being passed and signed, um, you know, can and should and I, I have to believe, for the sake of optimism, will prevent the type of uh, election theft that we saw before. I, I warned the folks in the uh, Lorraine County Tea Party, Kirk, Kirsten and Smith and yeah. all those, uh, that once the Dummo Rats took over the governorships in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, that that path that Trump had was gone. And this is what they're going to try to do, maintain dumbo rats in those positions. And that's what this is all about. I don't disagree with that at all with the exception of the phrase. Yeah, with the exception of the phrase dumbo rats, I prefer demon. I prefer demon rats. Just change the seat. Well, you have yours. You have yours. (laughs) Because I think they're evil, Chuck. Chuck, I think they're evil. They're more than just dumb. They're evil. They, they, they have a plan, and they're carrying it out. Uh, and I think that's evil. That's why I'll go with demon over dumb. But your point is well taken, and I thank you for the phone call, my friend. Uh, let me go to uh, Derek, who's calling from Richfield. Hi, Derek. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, yes, my call. Um, yeah, so uh, civil disobedience, that's uh, the term that comes to mind with a peaceful resistance that should be the uh, public response right now. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. There's still, you know, few companies I have to go to for work that still are making all their employees you know, wear masks if they can't, you know, show proof of their vaccine within, you know, two weeks prior of having the second dose. And I haven't been confronted yet, but if I am, I'm just prepared, prepared to ask, so how long is this supposed to go on for? And I really wonder what people are going to say. And, and then the last, if you could, you know, check my, my basic math here, that if you take the population of the United States, what do we say, maybe 330 million, maybe 350 million? That's what I go million. with. Yeah, I, go, I usually go with 330. Yeah. Okay. So if, even if the numbers of the deaths from this COVID-19 are at, are true, even if those numbers are true, uh, you know, basic math here, uh, you know, what, what's 10% of 330 million, right? 33 million? What would 1% be? 3.3 million, the, the death that they're even saying, that's, it's nowhere even close to that. And it's just amazing, more people don't even, just, just that basic, just that basic thought, they wouldn't think, well, wait a minute, that's really a low, very small number compared to the population. But then I've also found, I, sometimes I'll ask people, and they can't even tell me the population of this country. <laughs> Well, you, you make a great point. Math is something they don't want to use here uh, because I've done the same. And thanks for the call. Uh, I appreciate that, Derek. They don't want to do the math about what herd immunity means either. They first said it would need to be about 60%. Then they changed it to 65%. Then they changed it to 70%. Pretty soon it's going to be everybody. But herd immunity has already been reached when you consider the number of vaccinated people in this country plus the number of people who had COVID and recovered and have active antibodies, which serve as the inoculation against the virus. We are already at herd immunity, but they won't do that math either. Thank you, my friend, for the call. Let me get a time out here. We'll come back and talk about the U.S. Senate race with candidate Mark Pukita. He's next on AM 1420 The Answer.
All right, good Friday to you, 949. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We have talked to a whole lot of U.S. Senate candidates in the Republican primary for Rob Portman's seat. Bernie Moreno, Jane Timken, Mike Gibbons, J.D. Vance, Josh Mandel. I think we've run the gamut, and I have not yet talked to Mark Pukita. I heard Mark at a speech uh, at a Trump Day event uh, about a week and a half, or a month and a half ago, rather, uh, out in Chesterland. It's the first time I heard Mark speak, but he gave a very impassioned defense of conservative American values and the Constitution. And uh, I said, let's talk to this guy. So let's talk to this guy right now. Mark Pukita, thanks for joining us uh, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Bob. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Mark, I had a, a candidate for Congress on yesterday, and I said to him, you know, um, I'm, I'm very interested to learn a little bit about you, but nobody knows who you are. You have a, a very low name recognition because I don't see you on TV. I don't see you on, hear you on radio ads. And I didn't mean it, of course, and it is an insult. It's just the reality. You're kind of an right. unknown player in this field. So I want you to start before I ask you about policy and platform. Just tell us who you are. So I'm... I would be considered uh, an America first, strict constitutionalist, small government citizen candidate. I've never run for office before. Uh, didn't go to an Ivy League school. I'm not a lawyer. I was a business person, built a business, sold it at the end of 2019 or most of it, uh, had a five-month-old grandson, looked him in the eye and thought there's no way he'll have the opportunity I did to live the American dream. And I saw Rob Portman at about the same time and realized he'd done nothing that he said he was going to do for Ohioans. He, he, he got to Washington, rolled over, was a rhino and a never-Trumper, and you know that story. So that's why I did it. And, and I come from a lower-middle-class background. My parents had outhouses in the backyard when they were kids, and their, their fathers were both coal miners in northeastern Pennsylvania. So... I've lived the American dream, and I'm just probably as uh, angry. Uh, you know, I'm sick of politics as usual, and I'm doing the things I believe we need politicians to do. All right. That's that's a good backgrounder. Like I said, I kind of wanted to get to know the man a little bit, what your backstory is and why you wanted to run. And it sounds like, you know, you may be one of the last angry men, if you will, uh, you know, the old age. I, and I'm one of them, too, the old adage of uh, of being that, because... I'm angry, too. I'm angry at our liberties being taken away from us. Uh, it has only gotten worse as we've gotten six months into the Biden administration. Let me start with what I've been talking about all week long, uh, well, really ever since the CDC came out with their new guidance. First, they said, ma- uh, vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. Joe Biden said very directly, you probably remember this. If you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Let me repeat, if you are fully vaccinated... You no longer need to wear a mask. Now this week, the CDC says even if you're fully vaccinated, you need to wear a mask. We're returning to mask mandates virtually all over the country. Um, that kind of flies in the face of the America First Liberty you said you represent. So how, what are your thoughts? So the, the mask situation is just ridiculous. Uh, the, CD, the same CDC that's telling us our kids now need to wear masks in school told us that masks were only 2% effective, 2% efficacious. There, there is no science, Bob. You, re, you understand that. This is just a desire to have a symbol on people's faces of the control by the government, submission to the government, and it needs to stop. We're, we're doing this thing. You may have seen it, this uh, 
contract with the district. It's it's for school boards to sign. And we had 10 points on it, like, you know, being against critical race theory. We had to add an 11. We thought masks were done. So we didn't have anything on there about not supporting wearing masks in schools. We had to, we had to revise it and add to it because it's come up again. And it's come up again because we're nearing election time and we want mail in, but you know, we, we want to make it look like the virus is back. We're having another surge. So they can put us in masks and do mail-in voting and steal another election. It's, it was totally predictable, and people need to wake up to it. And we're trying to wake them up to it. That's the mask side, Mark Pukita. The the more dramatic and, in my opinion, dangerous um, idea of mandating things in the face of a pandemic is, of course, the vaccine. Joe Biden said, mm-hmm. actually, actually, the VA announced like three days ago, all VA employees are going to have to be vaccinated or lose their jobs. Joe Biden said this week that he's about to announce, I don't think it's been official yet, but that all federal employees and uh, well, actually all federal employees are going to have to be vaccinated and visitors to federal buildings are going to have to either be vaccinated or wear masks. Um, many federal employees are ready to quit their jobs over this. Um, can and should a government ever be able to tell to compel, to force members of the population, regardless of whether they're public workers or not, what what medication they should take or what um, preemptive medications like a vaccine that they should have to take? Absolutely not. I'm 100% for medical freedom, 100%. And this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we're seeing that this supposed Delta variant of the virus is and I'm, I put this in quotes, air quotes, breaking through the vaccine. It's it's almost like, well, I didn't take enough of the vaccine, so the Delta's breaking through. The, the vaccines aren't anywhere near as efficacious as we believe them to be. I believe that there's been more deaths and injuries from them than is being reported. But I mean, Bob, we're in an environment right now where you can trust literally and figuratively almost nobody but yourself. Everybody is lying to us, especially government. Um, Mark Piquita, let's talk about some other issues that are currently facing the United States Senate. Uh, specifically, you know, they're dealing right now with an infrastructure bill that the uh, progressives want to grow. And, uh, you know, they wanted a three and a half trillion dollar infrastructure bill that had very little to do with infrastructure. You know about all of that. Uh, I want to yep. get your thoughts on that. And I want to get your thoughts on perhaps the biggest issue facing the Senate. And that is, uh, and it kind of, you know, faces everybody in the state, at the state level as well. And that is, of course, you know, voter integrity. Uh, the left controlled Congress wanted to pass the For the People Act, which would have federalized elections and normalized the universal mail in voting and the ballot harvesting and right. drop boxes and right. the other things that they did in November. So your thoughts on, on if you make it to the Senate, where are you on those core issues? Well, let's step back a second. I just want to be clear that I believe that the election, the 2020 president election, was fraudulent. And we need to do an audit, a forensic audit, with a hand recount, a full recount of that election to restore election integrity. And then I believe we need paper ballots and hand counting going forward. So that's what I would press for supporting in the Senate. But this is really, from a constitutional standpoint, this is a, a state issue. 
and the, the federal government really has no business in mandating. I'm so sick and tired of mandates, right? I'm so sick and tired of that word. Yeah, right. In mandating mail-in ballots, in mandating ballot harvesting, in mandating long periods of, of early voting. We, we, as I like to say, we need to go back to the future. It worked so well, we stopped doing it. And it's, we stopped doing it because Republicans allowed Democrats to continue to steal, uh, elections and, and execute fraudulent plans across the country. It's decentralized, it's multifaceted, and it's got to stop. Uh, that's, that's well said, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I am so sick and tired of mandates. Mandates are not, uh, the tool of a free people. The mandates are not a tool of a, of a republic, a constitutional republic. A mandate is the tool of a socialist dictatorship or a, uh, a Marxist, a Marxist, uh, uh, you know, state. So we cannot have that. Um, let me ask you, uh, since we're talking about constitutional rights and protections, and this will be kind of the last thing because we're up against it here. Yeah. I want to ask about the First Amendment. Um, right. You know, we we are being silenced on social media, mm-hmm. which has become the preferred choice of news for millions and millions and millions of Americans. And they are silencing one side of right. the political uh, ideological spectrum. Uh, and so th- that's a free speech issue. And then the other thing, Mark, just just your thoughts on um, compelled and forced speech. Because we are being told that we have to call people by things that they're not. We have to use pronouns that do yeah. not reflect English grammar, uh, all because of the yeah. way somebody feels and these kinds of things. Is free speech a dying? Uh, you know, is is it soon to be a lost right in the uh, in you know in the American Constitution? No, not not in my world. Um, so, social media, I look at as the last refuge. You know, the last. Place where conservatives can communicate with one another in a free speech manner, and and the, the social media platforms are essentially a 21st uh, century um, town square, electronic town square. And I've already written a piece of legislation to deal with censorship of conservatives. It, it deals with censorship of social media entirely. It's out on my website, mark4ohio.com, mark4ohio.com. You can go out there. You'll find it. It's under draft legislation, and it's done in Senate format, Bob. So it's ready to be dropped on the, the leader's desk, podium, table, whatever, and introduced and sent to committee or voted on. Uh, and it goes back to the bar DOJ recommendations on this, which many people don't know exist. And it's a very tight piece of legislation. And I just picked it up, put it into the right format, and cleaned some of the references to Section 230 of the Federal Communications Act. Right. And it will take care of the issues. And it doesn't regulate. What it does is allows us to sue. Now, on the compelled speech, I mean, let's face it. Zim, Zer, who are we kidding? This is all made-up nonsense. But yet employees, employees of woke companies are being forced to use that or lose their jobs. Students are being forced to use that. Teachers are being forced to use this nonsensical, nonsensical language yeah. or, or lose their jobs or lose their place in classes and so forth. Yeah, we, we need to add uh, discrimination by political view to our you know, discrimination laws across the country and federally. 
you discriminate against me because I won't do something that you think I should do, and I should be able to sue you as an employer for doing that. We, we are being discriminated against as conservatives. We, we are being fired at from every direction 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we, we have got to fight back. I feel like I'm the only fighter in this race because I'm willing to stand up and take positions. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one that's talking primarily about policy. There's some policy discussion going on. But as conservatives, we've got to put a stake in the ground. We've got to say, this is what I believe, and I'm not going to be shaken from it. And Mark, then do Mark, it. Mark, I've got to jump blocked. in here because I'm out of time. In fact, I'm past our okay. time. But I will say this. I would like to see where you stand compared to some of the others in this race in a debate format. And I know there are some plans in the world oh, about too. holding some debates. So hopefully yep. we can hear that and, and learn more yep. about you and compare and contrast with yep. some of the other candidates. I can't but wait. For now, but for now, Mark Pukita, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Your website Thanks again is Mark, Mark for Ohio, correct? Is that where people can learn more? Mark, the number for Ohio.com, correct. Got it. Thank you, Mark Pukita. We'll be right back.